It's your breakthrough year. It's your breakthrough year. Breakthrough. Let me say it again. It is your breakthrough year. This year is different than any other year that you have ever lived. It's your breakthrough year. It's not your break sit year. It's not your break wait year. It's not your break maybe year. It's not your break sometime year. It's your break through year. You are literally going to break through every wall, every obstacle, every mountain, every challenge, every issue. You will break right through it and go to the other side. You will no longer live the way that you have lived in any other year. This is the year you move from that season to this season. Some of you have lived in an extended season you have not enjoyed, but joy is coming right now in your breakthrough year. I'm telling you, when the calendar turned on December the 31st to January 1st, you entered into a breakthrough year. And your pastor heard from the Lord and specifically invited you in to your breakthrough year. You will get to the end of this year and you will look back and go, how did it even happen? God, I have, wait, I have heard people say before, this is my year, it's a new year, it's a new me, this is my best year, something fresh is coming, something new is coming, and it didn't happen. Forget about the past and believe today that the word that God has given your pastor is true and has already come to pass and you will see the fruit of that word. He spoke about vision and faith in such a powerful way. I looked at my notes and I said, did you break into the Airbnb last night? Or did God just download to me what he already shared with you? And I'm going with the latter. That God downloaded something to him and I come in here under his authority, under his leadership, and God knows exactly what he's doing and he does not cause confusion and he does not cause chaos. What he does do is he confirms the word through multiple witnesses and multiple voices. I could hand him my iPad and my Bible and go, here, look, and it's literally what he just said. So somehow, someway, you got blessed with filet mignon for the appetizer. And now God is going, you must still be hungry. I served you an eight ounce. Now I'm bringing in another eight ounces of filet mignon. I know Jeff Ruby's only does a 12-ounce filet mignon at the biggest, so I'm bringing you two eights so you can get 16. By faith, we possess the things that are not yet seen. 
it does not say that it's not there. It just says that you don't see it yet. But this is why you have to have spiritual vision. Because if you don't have spiritual vision, then you will never be able to have faith to see the things that are not yet seen. And you would live in your current reality, and then you would never, by faith, break through and receive the things that you're not seeing today. But they're already there. You just have to have the vision and the faith to take the steps to receive what is already in place for you to have. Oh, that is so good. That is so good. Listen to me. There is already oxygen in Tuesday for you to be here. There is already money for you in June for you to be able to do what God has called you to do. There is already relationships that are in place in September that you will need to go where you need to go. But if you don't have faith to make it till Tuesday or to June or to September, then you'll never experience those things. You have to have faith and you have to have vision. You have to see it when no one else is seeing it. You've got to believe for it when no one else is believing for it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. Woo, buddy. Listen, Dan Sullivan says it like this. You have to see your future self. You have to see your future life as a different you have to see yourself as a different person or you have to see a different life than what you're presently seeing. Vision is looking into the future and going, I may be overcome with debt today, but the future me will not have any debt and will have overflowing resources to do what God called me to do. You, you, you have to look into the future and say the future me will have more joy than the present me in the circumstance that I'm facing. The future me will have better relationships. I will be in relationships with millionaires and billionaires. I will be in relationship with men and women of God. I will be in relationships with people who are moving and shaking and making a difference. I will be in relationship with the people that God has called me to be in relationship with. Because some of you will look at your relationships now and go, how in the world will I ever get there with these people? Well, the answer is you won't. The people that got you here will not be the people that take you there. This isn't even in my notes, but um, it is a little bit. But you, you need a new team in 2024. Let me prophetically speak into your life, into your house, into your business. Friend, you need a new team. This is the year of the new team. Now, hear me clear. I'm not telling you to kick your kids out of the house. <laughs> I'm not telling you to leave your spouse. I'm, amen. <laughs> what would Mark do without you? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not telling you to fire your current employees. What I'm telling you to do is it's time to personally shape up and get your house and your team in order. And if you can't 
elevate and you cannot do what it takes to break through, then I don't know if you can be in this business anymore. I don't know if you can be on this team anymore because where we are going, we have to be different. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to be different people if we're going to break through and see all that God has for us. We have to become different. We have to see it different. We have to have faith and we have to have vision. See, David Bird says this, vision works, hear this clearly, vision works because it anchors you in the future. Without an anchor, you have no foundation for choices. If you do not have a future vision and the faith to go there, there's nothing that's anchoring you to the decisions you will make today. So you will stay in mental, relational, emotional, spiritual, and financial poverty if you do not have vision for a breakthrough year to come. Because that vision of breakthrough will cause you to act differently today. If you don't have a bigger vision for your life and your family and your business and your ministry, then the decisions you make today will not lead you to where you wanna go. It'll keep you stuck right where you are. So if you talk to anybody that's been in any sort of poverty, again, I mentioned all the poverty areas, any sort of poverty, bad relationships, bad finances, bad spiritual life, bad health, consistently, persistently over a long period of time, what you'll recognize is they lack vision. They don't have a vision for their life. They have nothing that they're anchored to that would drive their decision making to get them there. So you need to have a vision for your life and you need to have faith every day to walk out that vision. So God gives Abraham vision, and he says, I will make you the father of many nations. Man, I feel this. Like if you don't feel this in the next five minutes, then go to Bob Evans, because I need people that feel this. Because God has downloaded some vision on the inside of the pause that are impossible for us to accomplish. Without faith and a move of God in a breakthrough year and the right relationships, the right people, the right opportunities, without that happening, it's going to be impossible. Impossible. I told my wife the other day, we were having a conversation about it. I said, babe, if all else fails, I've eaten enough burgers, I could probably cook one at McDonald's, okay? We'll be okay, <laughs> But that's not what's going to happen. I'm telling you, what is going to happen is the vision that God gave us will come to pass. I'm anchored into the future, and every decision that I make is based on that anchored future of the vision that God has given me. But not everybody carries my vision. So not everybody's going to understand why I do what I do. And some people will question, well, why did you do that? Well, because I have a vision and I'm anchored into the future. So the decisions I have to make today are based on what I see down the road. I had dinner last night with one of the, one of the most wonderful families in your entire church. I don't want to call them out, okay? 
They know who they are. But I told them, I said, the vision was so big that last year, by faith, my wife and I made the move, finally, for her to leave her position that she was working outside of the generosity group. She's been working somewhere else for six years. She left there by faith. She is now full-time in the generosity group. We're working together, right? Finally, after all these years, we by faith struck a partnership with somebody else in California that came through a prophetic word. We by faith are making these moves. By faith, I realized that the wisest thing that I could do in a moment was cut back how we were personally living to reinvest to what God had called me to do in the future. Some of you don't even understand that. You don't even understand what it's like to pull back for a greater cause. I mean, we have sowed in the last four or five years close to $400,000, so we had already cut our lifestyle back. I mean, we had already almost lived on nothing in order to fund the kingdom of God, but then when you looked at our lifestyle, it was crazy. We were living like we were making a million dollars a year. It was wild. But then God said, hey, I want you to get there. There's a vision. So we cut, we cut my personal salary back to 10% of what I made the year before. Some of you don't even know what that would look like in your life, to have such a vision that you would sacrifice everything for the thing God was actually calling you to do. <clears throat> Some of you want your comfort more than you want the call of God. Some of you want the security more than you want the call of God. So you could never summit the mountain if you build your house in the valley, okay? You can never get to the promised land if you keep your tent in the desert. Do you understand what I'm saying? It will take a massive vision, the right team, and big sacrifice. Many of you will pass on the fast because you have no vision for the fast. You will pass on the spending the next seven days seeking the Lord and fasting because you don't have a vision for what your life could look like after the next seven days. All you're worried about is being hungry. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All you're worried about is not being able to get on social media. All you're worried about is not being able to watch TV instead of having a vision that letting the food down and seeking the Lord, that not getting on Instagram, but seeking the Lord by not watching television, but reading your word could create the breakthrough year that God is said that you're gonna have, that that fast is the first step in the invitation of living in the supernatural life that God is calling you to. Oh, this is so good. See, God gave your pastor the revelation in the altar. We get the revelation in the altar. We hear it. We're filled with it, but we see the manifestation of it by our action. Revelation in the altar, manifestation in your action. So you can hear that you're invited into a supernatural life. You can hear that it's your breakthrough year. But if you don't take this first step that your pastor's calling you to, which is a seven-day fast, I'm telling you, you'll get to the other side and you'll be stuck and then you'll complain and go, it wasn't for me. Oh, it was for you, but you didn't take the move. You didn't take the step and do the fast. You didn't move into serving. You didn't move into outrageous generosity. You didn't move into creating a new team. You didn't move into doing all the things. You got to move. Come on, Mark, help me out. Will you stand up and just let's make our move? Come on, let's make our move. Some of us, you just got to move. 
One, two, three. Move! Okay, you can sit down. You, you, you gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta move. I'm not, I'm not moving into this year expecting what I got last year. I'm in my breakthrough year. I'm in my breakthrough moment. God gave Abraham vision, and therefore the promise comes by faith in Romans 4, uh, verse 16, so that it may be by the grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Are you Abraham's offspring? Yeah, the Bible says guaranteed, stamped. It is guaranteed to you the promises of God. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Hmm. Ready for this? This is why I gotta have faith and vision. Against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as it had been said to him so shall your offspring be listen without weakening in his faith he faced the fact that the body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and Sarah's womb was also dead yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in faith and gave glory to God. My current situation is, how would I ever be the father of many nations when I'm a 100 years old and her womb is dried up? But God will make things that are not as though they were. That's why, that's why you have to have vision, my friend. That's why you have to have vision. That's why you have to have faith because God is not concerned about the current situation or the current circumstance. He will love you through it and care for you through it. But when God sees, gives you a vision to see something, he will give you everything you need to see it come to pass. But you have to move. You have to, when we were crushed in debt, five years ago, and God gave me a vision that the generous will prosper. It was an inv invitation to move into this supernatural life of generosity. I had the choice whether I was gonna do it or not. And I guarantee you, had we not done it, I would not be standing here today. Do you understand that the opportunity that you have been waiting for, searching for, and looking for is on the back of you taking action by faith? that there are many doors that could have been and are closed to you that will open to you once you move by faith. Once you move by faith. But if you never move by faith, you will never see it happen. I had a conversation over the weekend with Josh Clark, who I love so much. Josh is the best. I said, Josh, how did you start your business? I hope he's okay with me sharing this. How did you start your business? He said, oh, I started it 15, 16 years ago, and I started by wall-mounting TVs. People would call me and my business partner, and they would pay us to mount their TV. And he said, and then we would be in, and he said, I knew how to mount a TV. 
But then we would be in the house and they would go, oh, by the way, since you're here, do you know how to install a home theater sound system? I said, did you? He said, no. I said, what did you say? Yes. And he said, and I figured it out why I was doing it. But I had vision for a bigger vision. I had vision for a bigger business. So when God gave me the opportunity, though I did not know how to do it in the moment, I figured it out. Some of you in the room, you just need to get a little grit on the inside that says, I'm going to figure it out even if I don't know how to because I have vision and God is calling me. So I took the first step to wall mount the TV. Now you need to learn how to install the audio to go with it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't just stop here and not go there. You've got to keep moving. So it's your breakthrough year. By faith, against all hope, Abraham believed. Here we go. We're going to run. We're running right now. Listen to me. Here's the four ways that through your action you will experience the breakthrough year. You will walk in. You will accept the invitation. And by the end of this year, you will be living in the supernatural life. Are you ready? Four things you're going to do. Number one, it's all about the seats you sit in. It's all about the seats you sit in. Go ahead and look at the seat you're sitting in. I'm standing, I'm not in a seat. But look at the seat you're sitting in. <clears throat> the seat you sit in will determine whether or not you experience the expansion and the supernatural life. Why is it about the seat you sit in? Psalm 1-1 says this, blessed, uh, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. The seat you sit in will determine your destiny. Meaning the people you spend the most time with will determine where you go. You have to find the right people to do life with. You have to sit in the right circles. If you are spending time with negative Nancy, it will be impossible, it will be impossible for you to be positive. And maybe you are negative, Nancy. Maybe you are the problem. I, I've been the problem a lot. I'm chief problem. I'm just telling you. That's when we take personal responsibility of the seat we sit in and we go, God, I have to change. And in order for me to change, I've got to work hard at change and then I need to get around the right people to change. Listen, 1 Corinthians 15, says this, do not be misled, bad company corrupts good character. If you are going to experience this supernatural lifestyle that establishes a legendary legacy for you, for us, and for others, then you need to evaluate the seat you are sitting in. Are you sitting in the right seat? Do you have the right relationships? Are you in the right seat in your business? Are you in the right seat in your job? Are you in the right seat in ministry? Over the next seven days as you fast, you need to figure out, am I in the right seat? Am I doing what I need to do? And am I sitting where I need to sit? Am I around the people I need to be around in order to experience this? Because if you're not careful, you'll get stuck in the desert with a bunch of complainers. Hmm. Number two, it's the words you speak. 
the seats you sit in and the words you speak will determine if you experience this. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, the tongue has the power of life and death and those who love it will eat its fruit. The seat you sit in and the words you speak. If you constantly talk about your problems, it will breed more problems. There are people that are in my life that, are, that I love dearly and I have distanced myself from them because they are constantly complaining. I will not achieve the work of the kingdom if I spend too much time with those people. If I spend too much time on the phone with someone talking obsessively about inflation, and how much the price of eggs cost. If the price of eggs is your biggest life problem, you've got serious problems. And I love you. Holy Spirit, if a gallon of milk is that big of an issue, you should evaluate the seat you're sitting in. I'm just trying to help you. If you... <coughs> are concerned that much about the price of a gallon of gas. You got bigger problems in life. Because somewhere along the line, the decisions that were made did not position you to care, or they positioned you to actually care about that. I asked a friend the other day, how much, I asked him this, I said, how much does it cost to fill up your Bentley? He said, if you're asking that question, that tells me you can't afford to drive a Bentley. <laughs> because you care about how much it costs to fill it up. You understand that it's not about how much money you have in your bank account. It's about how much impact you will make with your life. But some of us spend so much time consumed with the money in our bank account that we don't have the time to make impact with our life. And then we get ticked off when people talk like this. All they, all they care about is money. No, my friend, all you care about is money. No, all you do. Because you sit around every day worrying about how much a loaf of bread is going to cost. And I don't hate you for it, and neither does God. I want you to elevate out of that type of thinking and move into God. How are you going to use me to change the world? I'm not concerned about what the bread costs, because if you feed the birds of the air, surely you're going to feed me. I'm not worried about how much it's going to take to fill up the gas tank or how much the airplane ticket's going to cost, because you're sending me to the nations to preach the gospel. You got, you got to stop looking at the dollars and cents and start walking towards the vision and believe God is going to fulfill it. Oh my gosh, that's such a word. Because if you stare at the account too long, then you'll never make the decisions and do the things that it will take to accomplish the vision that God has called you to because we do it by faith. By faith. I've lived my whole life by faith. By faith. 
well, God, if you ask me to do it, then I'm going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it on the back end, but I know what you've called me to do on the front end. And I never get to experience the other side of it if I don't make a move on this side of it. Do you hear what I'm saying? By the way, for some of you, that's not permission to fly first class when you can't afford to fly first class, but get on the plane, baby. When I started out as an evangelist, I got my first booking when I first, first, first started, and I was broke. <laughs> the dumbest thing to do was to go on the road and speak places. As a young kid, I, I, most people were like, you should get a job. And I was like, well, God called me to this, so he's going to provide for me. And he has through all the seasons. But I will tell you, along the line, I made some dumb decisions, <clears throat> a.k.a. the first flight I ever made. I went on. They gave me an offer to upgrade to first class for a 30-minute flight. I took that offer, and I paid for it. Church didn't even give me enough money to cover the cost of the upgrade, <laughs> let alone the ticket. That was a dumb decision. You got to steward well. But also, some of you in here, let me hit everybody. Some of you have been flying an economy your whole life, and it's time to elevate, my friend. It's time to elevate your life. Stop flying an economy. What do you mean? I don't fly anywhere. You get the reference. Move up, my friend. Summit the mountain and make massive impact. Seat you sit in, words you speak. Number three, look, I'm already halfway done. Systems you work. Proverbs 28, 19 says this, those who work their land will have abundant food, but those who chase fantasies will have their fill of poverty. Ah, those who work their land will have abundant food. You need to stay in your lane. Stop chasing fantasies here and there and ev everywhere. Some of you have rooms in your house and you have storage units full of wasted fantasies that were never fulfilled. You jumped from this business to that business and this thing, and you never planted your flag in the ground and said, this is what God called me to. This is how God gifted me. This is the lane I'm going to be in. And when I stay here and I work this land with my giftings and talents and the vision and the faith, then it will produce fruit. You don't need to go chasing fantasies. You need to stay in your lane and be who God called you to be and do what God called you to do. And what that means for some of us, as painful as it will be, is that we may have to let go of some things that we've held on to for far too long. You've been one foot out the door, but one foot in the house where it's warm. It's cold out here, I know I should go, but it's warm and comfortable in here, so I'm going to stay. Friend, it's time by faith to walk out of the door of comfort and into your destiny that God has called you to. Stop living in a house of scarcity and get into the world of abundance that God is calling you to. You have to make the move. The systems you work, which means... 
that you need to evaluate the systems that you're using for your life. You need to evaluate your financial systems. You need to evaluate your daily systems. You need to evaluate your business systems. All of the systems that you use to operate your life, you need to evaluate and begin to make changes on how you do it. Because doing the way you do it today will not get you to where God is calling you to go. You have to make the change. Some of you, by the way, just to be clear, and I'm thankful I can't see my friends online, but some of you in the house are looking, me, looking at me like deer in headlights. Hmm. System, what? Changing my, changing my operating system. What? Getting new friends. What, what, I mean, what are you talking about? Elevating out of economy. And what, what? Jamie, what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is what it's going to take to not live in poverty forever. And here's the thing. If you are a, if you're a guest with us today, I love you. I won't be back next week. Try it again. You'll have pastor. Today you get me. (laughs) But if you are a son or a daughter of this house and you don't regularly do these things, you have not been paying attention. It's impossible to be a part of Bethel and stay where you're at. It's impossible. If you don't love Jesus more today than you did when you first got here, there's a problem. And I can guarantee you it's not the leadership of the church. It's you. I don't blame my pastor for my life. I look in the mirror and go, you are the co-captain of the ship. And if you try to be the captain and you don't allow God to be the captain, you're going to have big problems. But as the co-captain, you know what? They hand the controls to you a lot of the time. And you've got to do what you're supposed to do to experience what you're supposed to experience. Proverbs 24, 33 says this, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands and poverty will come on you like a thief and scarcity like an armed man. You receive it by faith, you manifest it, or it manifests itself by your action. Faith without works is it's dead. You have all the faith in the world, but if you don't work it, you'll never get the fruit of it. And work in American culture, for some reason, has become a four-letter curse word. Let me, let, let me just help you, okay? Let me help you. If you don't work, you don't eat. Now, I know we have set up a wonderful net system in our country that my family growing up used on many different occasions. And I'm thankful that there is a system that has a net. Now, the people who are supposed to actually have created the net is the church. But because the church failed to create that net and we got stingy and we didn't reach out to the community and help those in need by doing what the Bible says, take care of the widow and the orphan, hello. And so because we didn't do that, then the federal government had to step in and say, okay, let me help people. But that was the church's job. And by the way, when I say the church, it's not the building. I got to look in the mirror. 
Church is just made up of a bunch of people. We are the church. So because I didn't do what I was supposed to do, the federal government had to stand in place and then whatever. But here's the thing. The church of Jesus Christ in its highest form is holy and righteous and cares about God, his kingdom, and his people the most, understands that what you sow, you reap, but is not into helping people so that they can benefit themselves. They're into helping people because God called them to help people, and then God takes care of them. You know that scripture says that if you help the poor, you will never be without. You you will never lack. You'll never lack. If you help the poor, you will never lack. Read your Bible. Well, the government took that on, and then they said, okay, well, we'll help you eat. And so they started eating. Well, then we'll help you We'll help you pay your rent. Well, then we'll help you pay your electric bill. And then we'll help you with your medical assistance. And then we'll help you by giving you a bus pass. And then we'll help, watch this. But because that's not the people of God or the house of God, they realize that if I help these people, yeah, I get help too, but now I can suppress them and now I can put them in a welfare state of mind. And because they are taken care of and their necessities are met, the likelihood is, are you ready? They will never take a step out of that comfort, even though it's scarce. Listen, my family lived on welfare, baby. I'm speaking from, I'm speaking from experience. It feels impossible to get off welfare because all of my needs seem to be met, but I barely survive and I never thrive. But the welfare state of mind crushes my dreams. What was meant to be a bridge to get from here to there has now become a tent in the desert where you never make impact with your life. I know this is hard to hear. It's hard to hear, but I love you. You're, listen, ready? You're not a bad person if you're on welfare. God doesn't hate you. You are not a lower class citizen if you are on welfare. You are not less than anyone else in this room. The person sitting next to you that has a multi-million dollar business is not loved more by God than he loves you. He wants that person to change just as he wants you to change, just as much. Because we're supposed to be growing, getting better, being more like Jesus and making an impact with our life. But it's hard to change the world if you can't afford to buy a passport. It's hard to change the world if you're never positioned to pay your neighbor's mortgage when they fall upon crisis. It's hard to change the world if you can't stand in line at the grocery store and help grandma who's 81 years old who's walking through buying her groceries and her husband just died a year ago. It's hard to change the world when you can barely afford yours and you can't help them. This is why we don't want to live like that. We're not living in abundance so that we can drive a Bentley and have a 10,000 square foot house and fly first class and occasionally fly private. Nothing wrong with all those things. And actually, I would wish that upon all of you. I would hope that you would be so prosperous that you would get those things. But my bigger prayer is this. 
is that those things in context to your net worth would be like you buying a biscuit at McDonald's today. That you have so much overflowing generosity and you are absolutely changing the world that according to your net worth, it would just be as if you went to McDonald's for breakfast. Business owner, listen to me. It's time to get rid of the welfare mentality. Because I have, I have met many people all over the nation, and I'm positive in a room this size, there are some business owners and people who are in upper-level management executives or those that have retired from a great career that now in their retirement years are living with a welfare mentality. Every day checking your accounts to make sure you have enough money to keep you until you and your spouse dies. That, my friend, is a scarcity welfare mentality. God did not call you to work in corporate America for 35 years, 40 years, and retire, and then worry about if you were gonna have enough money to last you until you died. God called you to make massive impact in the earth, to bring the kingdom here on earth and to change people's lives. And if you sit around worrying about having enough money to make it until Jesus takes you home, you will waste the last 20 years of your life. In your breakthrough year, stop wasting your life. Managers in this room, business owners in this room, you will waste the next decade of your life in business if you keep worrying about how you are going to afford that part-time employee. By the way, some of this I'm preaching to myself. I'm just saying out loud because God's speaking to me in the back of my mind. I'm going, shut up. <laughs> if you are worried about where the provision is going to come from, you will never take the right steps by faith. Which will then most importantly affect number four. Because number one is the seat you sit in. Number two is the words you speak. Number three is the systems you work. But if you live like that, it'll affect the most important one, which is the seed you sow. Ooh, buddy. It's like somebody just sucked the oxygen out of the room. <laughs> oh, here he goes. The seed you sow. I'm just gonna check out. Great. Doors are, they're working. <laughs> they work. They may be shut, but they work. The seed you sow that is the foundation and the jet fuel to propel you to where God has called you to go. Proverbs 22, 9, I said it earlier. He who is generous will be blessed. Proverbs eleven twenty four. the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. If you have a welfare state of mind, in your generosity, you will never have overflowing abundance. It's impossible. If the level of your living is bigger than the level of your giving, you have missed the point of life. 
if the square footage of your house is larger than your giving record, you have chosen the wrong path. If the yearly cost of your vacations is higher than your giving receipt that comes to you the following January from the previous year, you have missed it, my friend. You've missed it. My giving record, and I say this boldly, is sizably bigger than the square footage of my house. <laughs> it's not even close. If our vacation that we've taken last year does not come into comparison to the amount of time, money, and energy that we have given. <clears throat> this is why I'm confident that we will reap large harvest. Because I don't just plant a couple seeds in one area of life that God has given me. I plant plentiful seeds in every area of my life. And we just keep sowing. My wife and I just keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing. Even when it seems stupid, we keep sowing. When it doesn't make sense, we keep sowing. It baffles me that my wife and I, in our mid-30s, routinely outgive corporate executives in their 50s. It baffles me. Is it okay that I'm that honest? It baffles me that you are that poor. It baffles me when I get around people that make two and three and four and five and six and 10 times the amount of money that my wife and I make and they give less than we do. I'm not even talking percentage. I'm talking dollar for dollar. And I sit back and I go, Jesus, help me understand how they're so poor. And the reality is they would be very offended. By, I'm not poor. You know how much money I make? I don't care how much money you make. I care about how much money you give because I can tell where your priorities are. Either you are about the kingdom and his work or you're about yourself and what you want. And I just determined in 2024 that I would no longer live in a scarcity mindset and worry about how we were gonna do it. We, God has called us to such outrageous commitments in our life. It doesn't make sense. But I just determined this year, you know what, God? If you called me to do it, you'll provide for me to do it. Even though the numbers don't add up, I've seen your faithfulness before. And my job is to take action on the revelation. I just feel that God has placed me here today in partnership with the team, with your pastor, the pastoral staff. I just feel that God has put me here today to say this, it's time to take action. It's time. We can't do it like we've always done it. We can't be who we used to be. We can't hoard. We can't live in scarcity. We can't be self-consumed. No, 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 no. We have to, by faith, make changes in our lives, in our own house, 
to accomplish what God has called us to accomplish. Today's the day. Today's the day you got to transition. Today's the day you got to do something different. That you enter Monday fasting and praying, you're doing it different. You enter Tuesday looking for the changes that you need to make. You are auditing your life and saying, God, I'm going to speak the right words. God, I'm going to work the right systems. God, I'm going to sit in the right seats. God, I'm going to sow the right seeds. Lord, I am not holding back. God, I am not waiting. Today is the day for my breakthrough year. God, I am entering into my break. I am living in my breakthrough year. I am anchored to a future vision of a breakthrough year. And because that is who I will be, and that is where I'm going, and that is what I will see, God, because I have that vision today, I make the decisions towards that future self. God, how would I live if I was already there? God, what would I do if I was already standing there. I wouldn't live like this, God, so I'm gonna start living like that. God, I wouldn't say those words, I would say these words. God, I wouldn't have these relationships, I would have those relationships. So because I see myself as different and I see my life as different, today is the day that I make the change. Today's the day I make the change. It's today. I see myself giving a million dollars a year. I see it. I see it. I see it. I don't have a million dollars a year to give. But I, so because I can't, I can't give what I don't have, but I could give what I do have. God, if I see myself giving a million dollars a year, but I have a hundred dollars today, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and take the step of faith and give the hundred dollars. God, I see myself giving a million dollars a year by faith, but today I only have a thousand. All right. In Jesus name, I'm going to sow the thousand. God, today, my friends, oh, they're not a good, they're not good friends, Lord. They're not, they're not the best. I love them. You love them, but God, I got to. Okay. So I'm going to go find somebody else to be in relationship with. Do you hear what I'm saying? God, if it costs me all I have, I will not stay the same. Go ahead, man. Help me. You make it sound spiritual. And I need it. You feel it? It's like walking on clouds when you enter your breakthrough year. All the stress, all the anxiety, all the fear just fades away when you walk into your breakthrough year. You don't look at what you don't have, you look at all you have been given. All of a sudden you realize, God, you use what's in my hand to do what you've called me to do. Bethel, you're in your breakthrough year. You're in it. The invitation has been given by God and our spiritual leader. Now the question is, will you take action and move into supernatural abundance. I'm not going to pull your arm. I'm not going to force you. I'm going to invite you. Will you move into your breakthrough year?
Will you change your systems? Will you move seats? Maybe you just need to give your house away to somebody else that needs it. By faith. You ever heard Robert Morris tell the story? Robert Morris talks about how he, God challenged him to give everything away. Everything. Cars, houses. And by faith, he did. And he said he sat in his living room. He was a traveling, he was a pastor, he was a traveling speaker. And he sat there. He says, I'm in my living room. And he says, I'm, <clears throat> I'm thinking about how I just gave everything away. And he said, then God, Holy Spirit, nudged me on the shoulder. He says, huh, you think you're a big deal, don't you? You think you've outgiven me. And he says, I was, you know, you know, God, <laughs> I mean, I gave all my cars away. He emptied all the bank accounts. God, God, I, I just gave the house away. You know, Lord, maybe. He said, really, Robert? Yeah, you think you gave more than me? Huh. And he said, at that moment, the phone rang. He said, the largest need I had in that time was transportation, right? Get here to there. And he said, on the other end of the phone, a man says, are you, are you Mr. Morris? Well, yes, I am. Hey, I just wanted to let you know that I'm a pilot. And someone has given you their jet. Anywhere you need to go. I've got you covered. He said, I hung up the phone and the Holy Spirit whispered, gotcha. <laughs> Who in this room needs a gotcha moment? Who needs a gotcha moment? If you need a gotcha moment in this room, I'm inviting you right now to by faith sow the best seed that you have that God directs you to do. They'll determine where it goes. It's not up to me. I'm not even taking it. I just, I just felt like the Lord said, gotcha. Gotcha. You know why he said gotcha? Because if I unraveled what we're doing by faith, this wouldn't make any sense. But I have a, I found this in my backpack. It was nice find, but 180 bucks in cash in my backpack. My wife said, is that for me to go shopping? I said, no. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll give you another 180. You can go shopping later. But this would be a gotcha moment for somebody. And I don't know who needs this, Pastor Mark, because this isn't my church. It is my family, but I'm not here full time. So I want to give this to you. And will you give this to somebody before they leave today that you know that that's a gotcha moment for them? I'm not gonna ask you to give by faith and sow and hear from the Lord because my gotcha moment 
is here right now. I just felt like the Lord said, for five years, babe, for five years, we have given like no one else that we know. And we're around some big time givers. And there's people that haven't shared their stories. Let me be clear. There's people that give way more than us on a daily basis. I'm not dumb, okay? Born at night, but not last night. But we have sacrificed hard. And I just felt like the Lord, when I was standing there, said, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You can get in your gotcha moment by faith. I just believe scripturally it comes by sowing seed. When I listen to Robert Morris, it comes by sowing seed. You don't have to participate. You don't have to give anything. You don't have to give a dollar. God loves you. God bless you. Come back. I'm just saying, just the man of God who has the microphone, and I've got to stand before God. I'm just telling you, I do. I am held accountable for God. You understand that? I am. You're not. I am. I'm just telling you, what I hear from the Lord is, your breakthrough year starts with a gotcha moment. And it happens by taking action and sowing the seed. So we just have released tens of thousands of dollars, and that right there, you're like, that's only 180. My friend... That's like what was left in the backpack, if you know what I'm saying. It's like what's left in the backpack. And God goes, can I have it too? Here you go. Gotcha. You think you've outgiven me. So in this room, I don't know where you're at. I don't know what God's telling you to give. But do it by faith. Business owner in this room starts with you. Starts from the top gotcha. What does that mean to you? Is it 20? Is it 50? Or would you follow me and sow 10,000 like I've done before? Would you follow me and sow 15? Or would you follow me and sow 30,000? We've done that before. Would you give just outrageously in a gotcha moment? Friend in the room that's on welfare, I know exactly what that's like because I was there. A gotcha moment for me was $12. Will you follow my wife and I in our journey of generosity today? And man, my gotcha moment, pastor, my gotcha moments, $5.72, awesome. You know what? God doesn't look at the amount, he looks at the sacrifice. That's what he's concerned about. So you hear big numbers, friend, let me tell you, the widow's might was more than all of the wealthy people in the room because they lavishly came and gave their gold and their silver and all their things, but they had plenty more left over that they never gave. And she walked up and she said, I'll, let, I, I'll give you all that I have. So we enter into a gotcha moment by faith. Don't you love how I didn't have the band just playing as loud as they could and I was screaming, give now. <laughs> yes, Lord. I'm just leading you to a moment where you make a grown-up decision, right? We're all adults. I don't, need to, I don't need to be, I don't need a cheerleader. I just need to be mature. So I'm gonna pray, and as I pray, whoever's next is gonna come up. I'm gonna hand them the microphone, and they'll lead you to close. Lord Jesus, I thank you for a gotcha moment. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. God, you did it for Robert Morris. 
and you will do it for us. Actually, God, you are doing it for us. Uh, God, you already did it for us. So it's done by faith. We don't see it, but by faith, we take the step and you make things come to life. You bring it to reality. It manifests itself on the back of our action. So I declare that as seeds are sown by faith, large seeds, that over the next seven days during prayer and fasting, that the harvest would come supernaturally. And that audible voice of the Holy Spirit, they would hear so clearly, gotcha. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name.